Hello, and welcome to Detours, a Glory Sports podcast where I, David Stahl, digital editor of Glory Sports, sit down with sports figures who have achieved excellence in their fields through bold, unconventional, strange, and novel practices. From athletes to community leaders, sports psychologists to coaches, media personalities to front office executives, I'll be inviting guests on the program to show listeners how they might learn to explore excellence by paving detours of their own. Today's episode features TSN's own broadcasting superstar, Kayla Gray. For those who aren't familiar, Gray made it through the gauntlet of sports journalism by hustling at every turn, eventually becoming the first black woman to host a sports highlight show. Since then, she launched her own interview series through TSN's The Shift, where she's found enormous success interviewing some of the biggest stars in the world. From red carpets to the NBA playoffs, few people have as much experience as Gray behind the mic. A master of storytelling, I chat with the sports media superstar about her unique path to the spotlight, the secret behind a great interview, and advice for those trying to carve out space in a crowded room. This is a woman who not only made her dream come to life, but built it from the ground up. So I hope you enjoy all the insight she has to offer. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. And I want to kick it off, Kayla. I think it makes the most sense to start at the beginning. If you could maybe offer some insight into how you first became involved with sports, where that earliest interest or memory in falling in love with a particular game came from. Yeah, um, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. My grandmother would watch the Jays games on the television and she'd watch it on mute. Well, my grandfather had the same game on on the radio. And so just like the element of storytelling was always like appealing to me. Uh, I also grew up playing sports. So soccer, basketball, volleyball, football. So I was pretty athletic as a kid, but I kind of like the storytelling that came with it and the debates that came with it. So that's sort of like how I, I knew that sports was what I wanted to be in. I didn't know necessarily what that job would look like but I just always knew that like I wanted to be in this space someplace somehow and so yeah once I kind of got my life back on track eventually um it was something that I pursued as like a why not option and it felt as though things just kept falling into place for me um and led me into the sports industry today Sound of that debate, dialogue, conversational aspect is so core to sports media. Did you find yourself, even as a young kid, really engaged in in that debate culture of sports? Yeah, like I was very much someone that took pride in my stance in a lot of sports topics, and particularly around the Raptors at that time or basketball in general. And I just like loved taking part. I felt like it was one of those things that like tied community together and especially for like the community that didn't really feel as seen or appreciated in sport because you know at that time people would say hockey was king um and for us who found this love of basketball it was really hard to find like spaces where we can kind of talk and communicate and share and watch games together and so once i just like kind of like found that the conversation just flowed i felt and felt amazing to just be able to express just how passionate of a fan I was at that time and also feel seen 
And then also too, and like the nuanced conversations of like, well, why was basketball like my first choice or, you know, the affordability of the game or what it means for say first gen Canadians. Um, it was nice to kind of ha- like have a fostered space in that sense. Um, and it just felt like even though a lot of us were very different, it was like our common language for sport. And you mentioned it there, like when I was growing up as well, it was the same deal where hockey was king and I would wait by the TSN highlights, waiting for that those two minutes at the end of a broadcast where we would get a little <laughs> bit of NBA coverage. I'm wondering when you were consuming sports media as a young fan from sort of the, the formal sense of what was on TV, what was on the radio, what did it look like? Who were the people being presented to you sharing this message of sports media? Sort of what was the tone behind it? And sort of has that shifted at all? Yeah, I think it's changed a lot. And I'll be very honest, like, you know, everyone's like, oh, who are your favorite, like, sportscasters in Canada growing up? And, like, I actually didn't have any because I didn't really watch a lot of TSN or sports networks in Canada. Like, I would illegally stream ESPN feeds, Fox feeds, feeds so that I could watch, like, a Stuart Scott or, like, a young Jamel Hill at the time or a Robin Waters, like, because those people look like me. Like I would always like try to find people that I could see myself in. And just, there were no like black women doing it at that time in Canada. And so I would always have to go stateside to like get my Pam Oliver fix and feel seen in the space because I just love the ways that like, you know, Pam, Lisa Salters were able to storytell, have agency over their stories, demand respect in their spaces, and just, you know, show up as Black women in the space just doing it. So, like, I was the kid that always would illegally stream for representation to show up on my screen. Now, you mentioned one name there that I that just hit me because I feel like she really defined sports to me when I was or sports media when I was uh, growing up again looking on YouTube for these clips of basketball coverage was Jamel Hill and that is someone who you talk about demanding respect and voicing a strong opinion but in such a educated well-spoken way she's really the blueprint I think for taking like I mean I know this TSN shoot that we did was sort of under the umbrella of taking up space and taking space with her voice and opinions and unique perspective. How much do you take from from her? Because she's someone who's obviously been, I, I suppose, polarizing to some degree because she stands by her values and opinions um, and has been such a strong figure in sports media, I feel. Yeah, I feel like, you know, when she and Michael Smith were on a show at the time called Numbers Never Lie, and they would stray away from numbers and get into these, like, conversations about culture and you know life topics like those were like the most impactful conversations that I remember and I just felt at that time not many people were willing to go there and it's like you know growing up in sport and like looking at the ways in which culture plays such a big role and how the two are so tied like all of these conversations are so necessary And so it's interesting just how many eyebrows were raised when, say, a Jamel would, like, speak out against certain things or highlight or amplify certain issues, because let's not act like we weren't actually talking about those things behind the scenes. I feel like 
it was so important for her to kind of do be who she was be strong in like her truth and what she stood for and in so many ways like not care about what people thought was too much like we always needed her opinion even if we didn't agree with it or not like I think it just helps to like pave a new way of like journalism and sport and encouraged us to show up as ourselves as opposed to just like prompter readers or highlight feeders, if that makes sense. Hmm. Now, you and you mentioned it earlier in sort of almost this laissez-faire sense of how you broke into the industry. Thought, okay, well, this makes sense for me. I, I think I'll, I'll enter it. Maybe it was that simple and maybe that just speaks to sort of how you were naturally meant for this space. But can you tell me a little bit of how you specifically broke into that industry, how you first sort of uh, ripped the seal off and what programs were put in place to guide you towards your career? Because nowadays, I mean, even in our own office, we have interns flooding in from TMU or Humber. All these formal educational spaces have been built up. I'm wondering if you had any of those at your disposal and, and how you first broke into the industry. When I had gotten in, I had kind of gone the non-traditional route. So like, I wouldn't necessarily say that like <laughs> my path was the most traditional. Like I had gotten kicked out of two high schools and then went to an adult learning center to like graduate. But my first school out of like that post-secondary program was College of Sports Media. And at that time, like there was Ryerson, but they didn't offer sports until like the fourth year. And so that was sort of like the educational route that I did. But like the one thing that I say that I'll always say that was like so cool when I was coming up was like accessibility to like smaller markets. So like I was able to go to like Winnipeg or Prince Rupert and like go somewhere, kind of make my mistakes, get into a different community that like I wasn't necessarily always a part of and learn how to like storytell in that realm and figure out like what mattered to people where I feel like now there's so many smaller networks that are shutting down, unfortunately, and everything's becoming this big feed that like the talent coming up, doesn't really get that like experience to get those reps in. Um, mm. So that's like the one thing I feel like that was afforded to me. Um, you know, the level of accessibility in sport is kind of like, dwindling in a way too like I always joke that I've been like sneaking into Raptors practices for like almost like nine ten years now but like that's the truth that's kind of how I got into space is like I would go with like a Raptors HQ and sneak into practices and I was just really fortunate that like I went in where Damar was around and Kyle and like all these other players that like saw like oh hey a young black woman in this space doing it coming in prepared and they would give me the time. And I think that like, just that made such a difference for my career because other people who weren't necessarily comfortable with me being in that space, just shut up and left me alone. Uh -huh. And you mentioned sort of the notion of taking these detours, whether it was your high school experience or that early career experience of sort of going to these more remote markets and, and finding the stories there, how important do you think it is for young people not only to touch base in those markets to get their foot in the door, but to gain those other perspectives from taking some detours or some unconventional routes? How important do you think those those sort of more niche experiences can be to, to help grow someone's storytelling ability? 
yeah, like I think it's just so important because I think the biggest thing that it teaches you when you are not a part of a certain space or community is how to best listen. You know, you get good at talking and sharing and storytelling, but you don't really realize how integral the piece of listening is. And so when you're in a space that you're not familiar with, that's all you can basically do is show up and ask the question of like, why does this matter to you or what matters here? Am I getting this right? Am I telling this story the right way? Is this appropriate? Is this not appropriate? And when you kind of like get yourself to a humbled space in that regard, it totally teaches you how to properly give space to people to tell their truth fully without interruption, without your bias, um, or without your interpretation as well. And just show up as a great listener, which I think makes the best kind of broadcaster. And I won't speak for your program, but all those notes that you're hitting there in terms of listening to another perspective, giving space to, to someone else's experience, they seem to really embody what the shift is all about. For those, I can't imagine anyone reading or listening to this wouldn't be familiar, but could you maybe give us what the elevator pitch was for the shift when you were first, when it was first in sort of an ideation man? Yeah, I think the napkin pitch, because that's where it was drawn upon, was, <laughs> you know, for someone who felt very unseen or unheard, even in the space, what did I want to show you know, to look like that catered to someone that looked like me or community that looked like me, that wasn't just down to hang out in strictly stats. You know, I'm a big mm. feel person and I wanted to create a show that was based around feel. Also, it's one of those things where I'm a firm believer that it's not just sports anymore, it's sports and culture. That's what drives the narratives and the storytelling and the personality that we see. And so sh the shift is at the intersection of all of that, it creates a safe space for all of that to exist. It highlights our joy, but we also are able to have very tough conversations there as well. And was there a moment in time in sports media that sort of sparked that, uh, that need to say, okay, I and other people, either fans, media personalities, athletes need to be seen and represented? Like, was there a specific moment in sports media that you thought okay we need I to think, tour i think i've always thought that like coming into the industry because you know when i made my debut on sports and i was the first black woman to host a sports highlight show and that was in 2018 like as like impactful as that was it's quite sad you know it's not like these networks had just started um so i always have felt like there's been such a strong need um, for shows that that cater to that. I did not know that stat. That's like, wow, <laughs> that, that is bored. Yeah, that's really, really embarrassing. Honestly, 2018, yeah. that sounds absurd looking back. I'm wondering when you pitch the shift, of course, there's no blueprint for anything like that. That's the beauty of it. But also when you're pitching it, maybe the challenge of it as well. Do you remember there being any pushback of people, executives in a room who don't like look like you maybe don't have the tone of you saying oh we just we don't get it yeah like i think there's always gonna be moments where when people don't have the same lived experiences as you or have the same care of say typical sport or or conversations that you want to have there's always like the eyebrow raise of like 
I don't know if we want to go there. I don't know if it's going to work because it's just considering an audience that you aren't even a part of. Um, so, you know, I'll always be honest about that. But I think over the challenges that I've learned and having the show kind of questioned a lot is, you know, that show is not made for everyone. And that's okay. It's it's going to be for some and it's going to not be for some. And you have to be okay with that. I think that there is this weird thing that happens when it's a Black created show, let's say, or say it's someone that looks like me kind of behind it. But there's this massive standard that has to be met by myself that like, I have to make it okay for, you know, for everyone. Like it has to be appetizing to everyone. Whereas, you know, I look at other niche shows like, you know, hockey shows, let's say, or golf shows, let's say, and they never have to ever have anybody else's acceptance or validation in mind. Whereas it's quite Mm -hmm. interesting for my show alone, I have to be validated by everyone. And it's just a weird standard that I feel like I now truly understand. It's so illuminating, and and especially your stat about 2018, you you sort of breaking that mold, because I think we like to think of ourselves up north as a lot more progressive. But you talk about a uh, Jamel Hill and Michael Smith, and look honestly, a lot of programs when I was YouTubing the U.S. sports shows when you were streaming them illegally, they they were objectively ahead of the game in terms of okay, it turns out having different tones and viewpoints appeals to demographics that we either haven't hit before or those demographics that we're already hitting that maybe want something a little new something more authentic and i think you obviously spoke to some of the challenges currently sort of plaguing the sports media industry and how it's shifted over time but i think another really neat shift is not only having really fantastic voices like yourself on programs, but also giving athletes some agency. That's been a really neat shift where we have someone like Tia Nurse or CJ McCollum or Draymond Green sort of carving out their own path and taking agency over their own voice. I'm wondering right now in the media landscape, are there any personalities or athletes who stand out to you who are sort of offering something different? Yeah, I probably would say Kia. <laughs> Um, you know, I think she's just, Kia started doing March Madness a while ago and I'll, I'll never forget me asking her, like, we were at a camp, a Nike camp. And I was like, what are you doing for March Madness? And she's like, nothing. And I like called one of the producers. I'm like, I really feel like you should have Kia on March Madness. And she said she hates me ever since because I blocked up her time, but look at her now. Um, but Kia is one of those budding stars that like just has this way about her to like not ever dumb down the game but like explain it in such a way that's so digestible for new audiences and you need that and I think that like you know it's so great that like the athlete void is because voice is becoming so much stronger because as much as media may complain about it or be fearful about how much the athlete voice is taking over 
I think it's such a great addition to the conversation. We're getting insight like never before. We're getting access like never before. And it's also allowing and helping us create content too. So, you know, and you think about Kia's experiences, you know, she has a long career ahead of her, but what she's been able to do so far and the things she's able to speak to, it's quite interesting seeing it from her lens and her angle. And she just has this like brilliant way of delivering it as well. Mm. I think what's great about Kia as well, I mean, you touched on it. I fell in love with the sports debate format, but I think in the NBA specifically, when you look at NFL coverage, it's really fantastic in actually breaking down the nuances of the game. I think when you look at a lot of, I don't know if it's male ego, but a lot of male NBA players on the broadcast, I love Shaq, I love Barkley, but it's a lot of anecdotal debates. And when you have Candace Parker up there, or when you have Kia Nurse, like it's very digestible, but even as a fan who's stopped playing basketball when he was in high school, I actually, I want an expert to be able to sort of blueprint out the nuances and, and strategies of the game that are going over my head. Um, and I think that is really, really her strong point, like making that educational aspect super, super engaging and entertaining. But of course you mentioned that you, <laughs> you've had a hand in helping her expand her role in uh in tsn broadcasting staff i wonder if you can summarize the I, would, I, would, and, I think she she expanded it herself yes no i don't <laughs> I'll never take full credit <laughs> yeah yes you know, full credit for kia's career no no of course not but um i'm wondering if you can touch on sort of the energy and culture of um the tsn broadcasting staff currently um, if you could sort of summarize that, um, what would it be? And maybe how has it changed a little bit over the years? Yeah, I think, you know, what I will say is that it's nice that we're kind of expanding in terms of the ways that we're storytelling. Um, so we'll see stuff in like the betting space, of course, with Takia, the digital space with Marissa, um, you know, Julia's also doing it as well with the hockey space. It's just been nice to see, you know, a young group of fresh talent come in and own their voices and, you know, just show up well for, for who and what they represent. Like, I think that that's pretty dope. And I, you know, you, you can't help, but just like be excited for what this means for the landscape of, of Canadian sport media. And now, sort of looking forward, if you could have offered one piece of a career advice to your younger self, um, what would it have been? Um, to remember why you do it. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to either come up with false narratives about you, say what they want about you, be really negative when it comes to you because they're, you know, either insecure, or uncomfortable with you being in that space. And I think that I wish that I just kind of got to a place sooner of just being very comfortable with who I am and why I'm here and not feeling as though I always had to feel validated to be in this space or I had to change myself for one bit to make anyone else feel comfortable. Like, I feel like the minute I started to say, you know what, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. These are things that I'm going to talk about. Either like me or you don't like me. If you got something to say, say it. But I'm still going to be me over here. Things have just flowed in such a way of like abundance, like recognition, let's say, or more opportunities or better content, better 
interviews, better interview opportunities. Like, I think the minute I decided to really settle in my authentic self as a storyteller, it has opened up so many doors. And I'm almost like, damn, I wish I could have done that sooner. (laughs) (laughs) And you've gotten better, I assume, at shutting out that outside noise, outside opinions over the years. I'm a sensitive soul. I think that's that's what makes me a, a good storyteller is being sensitive to emotion and all that stuff. But you, know, you kind of it's like a muscle. You just got to just let it roll off. And last question for those looking to start their own creative project like this shift, something that truly reflects their passion and creativity and expression going off of likely what, what you just touched on. What advice would you offer to them in, in a broader sense? Oh my God, I feel I'm going to sound like the Nike commercial and say, just do it. I feel like there's obviously these conversations about what's going on with media and things are looking different or they're changing or the opportunities are dwindling. And I'm just like taking a step back and I'm looking at like platforms like TikTok, YouTube, streaming platforms. Like there's so many options right now. And the best thing about being someone in a new generation, like that wants to get into the space is like, you literally can just start. Like if you want to come up with a podcast, there's like tools for that. I think that like you have to be okay with the try part. And the try part is where everyone really gets hung up. But it's like, you know, when you have a good idea or you know, when you're onto something, there's just like a collective feeling. I can't necessarily name it, but I feel like you just sort of know when you're onto something from a creative standpoint And it's like, you owe it to yourself and your intuition to do whatever you can do to try and see it through. Because it's like on the other side of it, it might not work. And so you pivot and it directs you in a new direction to something that does. Or like the best thing that can happen is it does work, right? And you have something like the shift that can be impactful. So I think the biggest, I know it feels like a cop-out answer, but my biggest advice is to just start it, do it. Not a cop-out answer. Way, way better than any Nike commercial. Kayla, thank you so much. I know you had a busy, busy day. Um, and we really always appreciate you carving out the time to, to speak with us and, and offer some insight from your experiences. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for tuning in to our second episode of Detours featuring Kayla Gray. Be sure to subscribe for more insight from Canada's greatest sports figures. We have some really fascinating episodes coming up, so we invite you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the interview. And in the meantime, we also invite you to take any nugget of knowledge that might help you carve out your own detour. Who knows? You might be our next guest. Detours.